0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. On the second full day,
1: <clears throat>
0: and it's hard to tell If things are getting better or worse, (laughs) that's usually my experience on the second day. So if you have the same doubts or thoughts of making a graceful exit that you had yesterday, you're still right on schedule, don't worry. If you're getting into bliss states, great, tell me about it. I'll just let other people know that it's possible. This is not so easy as has been said a few times before. Making the effort to bring yourself back each time you wander is not so easy. It's not a habit that we've been cultivating for a very long time. It's hard enough to be present when the experience is pleasant, like enjoying a meal, as you might have seen in the eating meditation, let alone when what it is that you're bringing the mind back to, usually in the sittings or even in the walkings, is sleepiness or restlessness or boredom or wandering mind or fears and anger, unfinished business those are the things that usually crop up first on this initial phase of a retreat. And it's hard to keep making that effort to be present, to bring yourself back from your daydreams and things like that, and sleep, to see what's really here. And yet, making that effort is the key factor upon which the whole practice depends. Jack talked a bit about right effort yesterday. I want to elaborate a bit tonight. The effort isn't the effort to be perfect or to be any particular way. It's just the effort to be present, to be mindful. You might have this idea of doing it right, you'll be a certain way you'll be this mindful or this concentrated and then when you get there you'll have made it magically and so you try to be mindful or try to be concentrated and it can get very frustrating it's been a great comfort to me to remember that I really don't have control over how concentrated I am or how mindful I am one sitting it might be here just the, the feeling, oh, this is so easy. Gee, how come it's so so hard other times? It's just happening all by itself. And then the next sitting, where did it go? How did I blow it? You don't have the effort you don't have the control over concentration and mindfulness. What you do have control over is the effort to be present. And when you wander off to bring yourself back again, it's the most mentioned factor in the traditional scriptures that accompany these teachings even more than concentration and mindfulness and compassion and wisdom because without it nothing else gets accomplished this practice is called vipassana meditation the word vipassana means to see things clearly And the only way that we can see things clearly, see things as they are, is to take a look, is to make the effort to take a look. And it's a habit that takes a lot of practice. That's why this is called meditation practice. Finding that right effort is an important issue that needs to be understood in order to to continue putting in the, the energy that it takes. The question might have arisen a number of times in the last day and a half, am I doing too much? Am I straining? This is really getting to be too much. Or am I doing enough? Gee, everybody else seems like they're really doing it hard and I'm kind of taking it easy. You might bounce back and forth between those two extremes a lot in those questions. So it's important to take a look at what right effort is and how to somehow cultivate it, muster it up, so that you can see more clearly. First of all, effort doesn't happen on its own. It happens because there's some motivation to put in the effort some source that gives you the, the courage and the willingness to put in the effort to do all this hard work, often that source of effort is some kind of faith, faith in the teachings perhaps, if you've done some reading, faith if you've done previous retreats and practice that some good really does come from all of this. You can see for yourself. Maybe faith in somebody who you respect or who shared their experiences with you to let you know that the possibility exists. And with that faith, you can go a long way to just saying, okay, I'll do it too. Let me see for myself. If the faith isn't there, there are a few other factors that, that you can call upon And actually, you have called upon to get you here. Perhaps it's a trust, some trust in someone. Maybe you don't have faith that it will happen for you, but you trust that there's some good that has been gotten by this person. Maybe it's just curiosity, a healthy skepticism, which can be very useful. Well, let me see for myself what this meditation stuff is all about. Let me check it out. Or wanting to learn more, wanting to grow. Maybe the motivation was some extreme suffering, some extreme desperation even. It's an excellent motivating force. I've tried everything else and nothing seems to be working. Let me try this one. Maybe it's the desire to open your heart more than you have been and you've tried other techniques and it hasn't been working or to grow in wisdom, deepen your understanding. Whatever it is, we all have that source of, of faith or trust or investigation that has brought us here to make us willing to willing to put in the effort. So before I go on, I think it's useful to get in touch with that source so you can call upon it when you have some doubts or low energy. I'd just like to ask you for a moment to close your eyes and think what it was that brought you here. First go inside. What was the source or the motivation for you to come? What did you want to have happen? What brought you here? What's the source that makes you put in all this effort? If you've gotten in touch with it, keep it in mind keep it in your heart when things get kind of difficult because that can be the inspiration to keep you going. Okay, from that initial source there will arise in you if you can get in touch with it a kind of sincerity a kind of integrity of your being here that is a willingness to put in your time not just kind of getting through but really putting in a sincere kind of effort a willingness to open up to the unpleasant as well as the pleasant it's easy to open up to the pleasant but how about the unpleasant and that's this first phase especially that's the challenge when you can call upon that sincerity, even in the times when there's low energy, there's a certain kind of integrity that comes from it that's very powerful, that helps you make that extra effort. Okay, so now we come to actually putting in the effort. Last night, Jack talked about the Eightfold Path, the overview of this whole practice and teaching. Another name for the Eightfold Path is the Middle Way or the Middle Path. And really the central p- principle in all the teachings is that of balance. The Buddha lived a life in the first part of his life being born into royalty was, spe- was spent in tremendous indulgence. Then... After he renounced the, the royalty, he became a monk who practiced the most austere practices at the time and found that neither of those two extremes were the answer to happiness until he discovered, through his enlightenment, the middle path, the path of balance, which expresses itself in terms of moderation, moderation in sensual desires, Moderation in eating and sleeping expresses itself in mindfulness of not clinging and not condemning your experience, but just being here in a balanced way for what's happening. And that same principle of balance is central to this issue of right effort. Often we think of the word effort and associate it with struggle, efforting. And if you have that kind of association in your mind, it's going to be really a difficult grind for you. In order to put in the effort, I've got to break my back and wear a glum face. That makes things very difficult. It just gets you tighter. Right effort does not mean a struggle. It means a balance of the energies. Jack mentioned last night the image of tuning a string. Not too tight, get too high a pitch. Not too loose, too low. Just the right amount of tension. But sometimes there's the idea that we can magically find our right effort and keep it there. Okay, now I got it. I know what right effort is. How do I keep it here? Or, what did I do to lose it? I've, I've done something wrong. And when you have that kind of idea that you're trying to work towards right effort and, and keep it fixed, you're missing the point of the fact that things are constantly changing, which is one of the other things that you see very early on in the practice. You've seen your breath is constantly going in and out, Your mind is constantly changing its objects, moods, sense doors, body sensations. We're a dynamic system of constant change and there's no one groove that we're going to fall into and stay in. No one formula to keep ourselves a certain way. And so rather than thinking that you need to Find some magical spot that's called right effort and keep, that, keep the fire up just that high. It really means checking in to what your present energy is, seeing where you are, and then making the adjustment that's needed for you to be most mindful in that moment. What adjustment will keep me most mindful? if things are getting too loose and you're getting kind of lazy then the adjustment is to turn it up tighten up the effort if things are too tight then the adjustment the proper adjustment in that moment is to lighten up and take it easy give yourself some space really there's an art in checking out what your energy is and giving just the right amount of adjustment to keep that balance because it's very easy to go overboard into the other extreme so it's helpful to notice some clues some cues that you can see as telltale signs if you're going overboard either in tightness or laxity if you're too loose, some things that you might be noticing, the tendency to seek diversion, to kind of look outward, you know, check other people out. Well, they're not doing as good as me. I'm really putting in my effort. And he isn't, and she isn't, and she isn't. We spend a half hour doing that. Or all of a sudden you become a physical fitness buff you know, when you've been kind of uh, stayed in your life and you might decide it's time to go jogging or to take up jogging or Tai Chi and find yourself doing a third set that day and you haven't done it in a long time just those little entertainments that might take you away from the moment make things a bit easier or you're starting to go for walks during the walking period each walking period just checking out the countryside You might find yourself coming in late to the sittings. And then when the mealtime bell is rung, you're right there on the line. Just look inside and see the different ways that you might be indulging in that diversion kind of tactic. Going to your room. How many times did you go to your room today? to take care of business. Really, when you can see yourself doing that, the antidote is to try to streamline your practice. Just the simplicity of the sitting and the walking, the sitting and the walking, that allows for you to really discover what the mind and the body are about. But it takes a willingness to be there. So ask yourself now, I've been kind of taking it easy. The other side is getting too tight and too tense. That doesn't help clear seeing. Because if you're wound up into a knot, how can you see clearly? It's just a lot of restlessness and agitation and frustration. Do you have the feeling like you're in a prison? Did that come to your mind today? How can I get out of here? Have you had the feeling today or yesterday that you're going crazy? That's a clue. Things are getting a little bit too tight. If you find that you can't breathe, Uh uh-oh, I've been breathing for 35 years and I think it's going. What's going to happen to me next? That's a clue. You know, things are getting a bit too tight. You're overwhelmed at anger with anger when somebody comes in late to the sitting you know, or rustles their, their blanket a bit. Why are they doing that now? You know, trucks can be going on outside. And it doesn't matter, but this person is spoiling my meditation. If you feel like you're a volcano about to explode, you know, that's the clue. And when that happens, then the thing to do is just to take some space, just to lighten up and be simple and easy. As I say, it's kind of tricky to find out where you are because you're such a dynamic system that things go back and forth and change very quickly. What I would suggest that you do to play with this right effort is to make an experiment and work at the forward edge of your effort, and then when things get too tense, to lighten up. It's a lot easier to do it that way than to just lay back, let it all happen, and then when you find yourself nodding out for the fifth hour, you know, then kind of turn it up just a little bit. So you want to work at your forward edge because that way you'll be able to see more clearly. My general motto or attitude when I practice is put in total effort and keep it light. If you can put the balance, have a balance between those two, then there's a kind of rhythm that can get developed. And actually, when you can keep the lightness in and put in the total effort, you see that there's more reward and it's actually easier to put in 100% effort than it is to put in 85% effort. At the beginning, it it takes a real commitment. But after a while, when you don't give yourself that chance to say, should I or shouldn't I go to this sitting? Should I or shouldn't I do this walking fully? It kind of takes out all the indecision and the wavering. And so you've got a real commitment to being here as fully as you can while keeping it light. Some things to keep it light are useful to have in your repertoire. You know, I'd like to share some things that have worked for me. First of all, as has been mentioned, patience is really essential. And as I said today in one of the sittings, it's not the patience that's waiting for the good stuff to come. It's the patience that's allowing for things to be the way they are. Because as you allow for them to be the way they are and start to open up to your experience, you'll see anything that's here right now is going to change. The problem is if you're here and being present for it and expecting for it to change, waiting for it to change, then it gets tricky because then you're trying to manipulate the experience and there's a subtle aversion to what's going on. Things change all by themselves. As soon as we want to get rid of them, though, there's a problem. There's that relationship that we're engaged in that we're trying to push something out and it's that resistance to it that just feeds it, that just gives it energy. And so it's a willingness, an openness that allows it to be here without any agenda for it going away. On my second retreat, I had an experience where I was just filled, overwhelmed with doubt. I wasn't doing it right, I was a phony, everybody else seemed like a phony, I wasn't quite sure whether the teachers knew what they were talking about, and it was just, it was really getting to be too much. I couldn't sit, I tried to sit, it didn't work, I tried to walk, it was pacing back and forth. Finally I just decided, alright, let me take it easy, let me just lighten up. I went upstairs to my little room in this retreat facility. There was a picture of somebody on the on my dresser that makes me see the humor in things. They're just smiling back at me saying, hmm, getting pretty uptight, aren't you? And just in the moment that I saw the face, the whole melodrama started to dissolve. And from that doubt, it turned into a sense of ease and humor and then confidence and a real inspiration to go back and and practice, couldn't wait to tell my teacher. I conquered doubt. The interview time was scheduled, and I knew I was going to be up for an interview the next morning early, preparing for my, my conquest to be reported. And in the course of the next 12 hours, I went through every mind state one could imagine, from elation and inspiration to sleepiness, to boredom, to restlessness, to more wandering, to more doubt. Just the whole the whole show. Finally I got to the interview. I walked in. The teacher looked up at me and said, So, how's it going? And I sighed in total exasperation. <sighs> it's always changing. He looked at me, and he said, That's it. You got it the point if you can get it and see that that is the point it's always changing it keeps you from trying to grasp onto any one particular experience as being it it does change all on its own and we don't have to do a thing about it and if we try to do a thing about it we kind of interrupt the natural process so patience is really Essential. Another part of this keeping it light is having a sense of humor. Sometimes it's really hard when you're in the middle of what you've been in the middle of, probably, in the last day or so. Once heard this Tibetan teacher Trunk Rinpoche, say that meditation practice is one insult after another. <laughs> And unless you can keep your sense of humor about it, you're going to take it personally. (laughs) If you start taking it personally, it gets very confusing. If you start taking it seriously, it gets very discouraging. And so keeping a sense of humor and seeing, it's not just my predicament, it's not just your predicament, it's the predicament that we all share in having a mind and having a body. We are comprised of these different mental states and physical elements that are in constant change. And when you try to fix them so that they're happy, good luck. And to have that humor, to have that cosmic humor over the predicament, kind of gives some lightness, some space around what's going on. One way to keep that sense of humor... Which you might experiment with, uh, I do from time to time, is to practice with a half smile. Uh, when things are getting tight, just try to smile. Yeah. I have this little game with myself, this little pact. Uh, when I can catch myself and getting really grim, I'm going to smile. And I'll go through this dialogue. I don't want to smile. I'm angry. But you said you'd smile. I don't want to smile. But you said, you do it. All right, I'll just get it over with and I'll just kind of curl up my face. And it feels so dumb that from the half smile it starts to be a real smile. Well, another way to do it is to look in the mirror. You know, when you're really freaking out, just look in the mirror. Hmm, getting really out there, aren't you? Another way to approach the practice and keep some lightness is to make it a game instead of a struggle. Just as an exploration, an adventure. Make, just imagine yourself, you're like Sherlock Holmes, discovering what it means to have this mind and to have a pain in your knee or an ache in your shoulder. What is that all about? discovering the actual sensations, discovering your relationship to them, just to make it an adventure. It really changes things around from this striving attitude that you've got to get it all together and be perfect to just one of discovering what it's all about, discovering what this moment is. When all else fails and you've been sticking with it diligently, and still feel like you're going to explode, go for a walk. Just take it easy. Get a little space. Just enjoy the countryside. As I said before, you don't want to take five walks a day, but every now and then, if you feel you've reached your limit, that's just the right thing to do. One retreat I was on a few years ago, it's really putting in my effort. And walking very slowly. I get into slow walking when when I practice because I find it very valuable for me. And I had been slow walking for about four or five weeks straight, not, not taking a normal pace. In fact, as, as you get into that kind of speed, it's kind of jarring to walk at a normal pace. But I was just trying to get in more and deeper and deeper and deeper and subtler and subtler and I noticed after a while I was just really tightening up like one big clamped fist this went on for a couple of days Finally, I said this is not working at all I think I'm gonna just go for a natural walk and forget about mindfulness I won't even try to be aware of anything put on my clothes and kind of got excited. My heart started thumping at the, the thought of walking faster.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I took a walk for about 45 minutes at a fast pace. It was one of the most memorable walks I've ever had in my life. The, one of the most mindful experiences that I can ever recall. As soon as I let go of trying to be mindful... And just wanted to enjoy the countryside. And there I was, left, right, left, right, seeing, hearing, sniffling, laughing, thinking, labeling. One after another. As soon as I let go. So the thing to do when you're finding yourself tight might be just to relax and take it easy and let go for a few moments. So keeping it light. Patience, sense of humor keeping a half smile, maybe looking in the mirror, making it a game, an adventure, going for a walk. One other thing that you can call upon is a certain kind of softness and compassion for yourself and for that predicament that we are in. And one way to get in touch with a softness If you're putting in sincere effort, just acknowledging that. Acknowledging that you're doing the best you can. And from that acknowledgement, just an appreciation that you don't need to strain anymore. And you can be kind to yourself and be gentle with yourself. And so give yourself a bit more space to enjoy the retreat to be here fully and see what you can what you can discover so I say this right effort is the effort to be mindful and it includes a quality that the teacher that Jack and I just sat with the last last few months stressed over and over again and that is Besides the diligent effort, it needs to be coupled with accurate aim. Because you can strive and, and try or really put in an effort, but kind of get fuzzy on what it is that you're looking at. And so it's useful to practice aiming at what it is that's going on. You know, like, a, like an archer. Oh, here's the breath. Let me just kind of zero in on it. Or here's an ache in my shoulder. Instead of taking a, a side-long glance, let me go right into it. Just for a few moments. Let me just be here fully with it. Or with the lifting and the moving and the placing and the walking. Instead of just a, a general kind of gestalt of the experience... Go right in. See if you can pierce it, penetrate it with real awareness. And those two, that diligent effort coupled with this accurate aim really develops a momentum of mindfulness. In sitting, the thing that usually gets in the way of being present for the experience and having accurate aim in what's going on is the thought process if you haven't seen for yourself yet there's a lot of thoughts and so it's useful to have a way to deal with them right effort and keeping it light for me the way I, I view practice the crucial moment while you're sitting is the moment that you see that you have been wandering while you're wandering, you don't have much say over what's going on. And it can be for five seconds, or five minutes, or 55 minutes, as you might have experienced. It doesn't matter. While it's going on, it's just happening. But the moment that you realize that you've been wandering, that's where you have some choices. One choice is, Oh, damn, I've been wandering. I've been blowing it. I've been wasting my time. I'm really doing this lousy. Get back over here. <laughs> Dragging it back on the breath. That's one way. You'll be mindful maybe for a moment or two, but you're also cultivating judgment and agitation and frustration. And it's not really conducive to an open space to see things clearly. Notice how you react when you see that you've been wandering. Is there a judgment there? A second choice, possible reaction, is, Oh, I've been wondering, but this is a very interesting thought. (laughs) Let me see what this one leads to. Sound familiar? Don't believe it. (laughs) It's very tricky. The mind is so tricky. And from that profound thought, you spin off to something else, to something else. It's like a, a word salad, if you're familiar with uh, psychotic minds. We all have psychotic minds. We just have maybe a little bit more control than the people that they lock up. Just one thing spins off to another, to another, to another, to another. And you might be thinking about you know, what's for lunch, or what, it, what you have to do when you get home in three weeks, or Whatever. And it gets to be very mundane. And there you are off for another 20 minutes. Don't believe it. The third possible choice is to see that you've been wandering and to have the strength of resolution to let go of the thought, whatever it is. Trust that you'll get back the important ones when you need them. And just in that moment, bring yourself back to what's actually happening, the breath, sensations. And in that bringing yourself back that way, you're cultivating a number of different qualities. Seeing that you've been wandering and then having no judgment about it, but letting go and bring yourself back, you cultivate a patience and a forgiveness and compassion and acceptance and awareness as well as cultivating, letting go of experience, not grasping, not holding on, not condemning. So it doesn't seem like very much, but when you do it time and time again over the course of a day and over the course of ten days, Jack mentioned last night, drop by drop that bucket gets filled, and you're cultivating a whole different relationship to your mind, not buying into it, not buying into the fears, not buying into the profound kinds of thoughts. Just having that resolution with some gentleness to bring yourself back. The image of a puppy dog was mentioned. It's really valuable. I'd like to just carry it one step further. When you see that puppy dog wandering, if you beat it up, you have a pretty unhealthy relationship with it. It might do what you say, but out of fear, there's a lot of agitation. If you throw it back on the paper with a lot of anger, again, there'll be that unhealthy relationship. If you just keep bringing it back each time, okay, stay, wanders off, okay, stay. After a while, you start to make friends with it. And that's really what we're doing here, making friends with our minds and and who we are. Same thing with pain, which is another great distraction that you've probably encountered Is there a willingness to be here for it, to explore it? It's an excellent object of concentration and meditation because your mind isn't wandering very much when you've got that intense pain in your shoulder. You're not spacing out, thinking about home or what you're going to do. It's here. Now the challenge is, can you let it be here? Not only let it be here, but go in and explore it. Open up in a very soft way, keeping the rest of your body soft so you're not knotted up into a ball. Keeping your mind and your attitude towards it soft. It's okay that it's here. Here are these muscles that have been trying so hard to do their work and that have accumulated a lot of tension and energy. How to just appreciate what's been going on and explore it. See what it's, what it's going through. And so that solid pain starts to dissolve and see what actually that experience is. Is the energy moving around? Is it tingling? Is it throbbing? Is it vibrating? Is it shimmering? Does it have an edge or just fade out gradually? Does it radiate out from a center? Really to explore it. And when you've reached your limit of what you can explore, no problem, either come back to the breath, and then go back to it when it calls you, or if you feel you have to move, then move. Move mindfully, be aware that you're about to do that, and then make that movement, that adjustment in the posture, just as much a part of the meditation as the breath. You want to, for the most part, keep your movements to a minimum, because... It breaks the concentration unless you can you can really stay with that, that change of posture. And also as you move if you move a lot, it cultivates restlessness. And so you become one big fidget. So you want to just keep them keep the movements moderate, but when you've reached your limit, no problem, just adjust. Same thing for mind states and emotions. It's like you're this laboratory. Here we are, this laboratory of mind and body that we're investigating so that we can understand what it means to be a human. And the more we can open up and see our own mind states and moods and thinking process and body, the more we can appreciate the predicament that we all share. And so, to open up and let it be here, that's the key, let it be okay. And putting in that right effort means a willingness to just let it be okay and then explore. There's no right way to cultivate right effort. It's really just a process of listening inside, listening to your heart, not comparing yourself with the next person, but just getting in touch with that sincerity of your own energy and your own commitment and that's all you need to to have and also checking in and seeing what adjustments need to be made as your energy changes from high to low back to high back to low from the effort to be mindful, what happens is, a real momentum starts to get built. Even though you don't have control over how mindful you are, the effort itself starts to cultivate this momentum of mindfulness. As you're mindful, which means... Being here in the present for what's happening without grasping at the pleasant, without pushing away the unpleasant. You can start to really see things the way they are, see things clearly. You can start to be here in the moment instead of toppling over to the future or the past. And you start to see for yourself, in a very real way, how things are constantly changing. One moment after another. One micro-moment after another. And how futile it is to try to hold... experience, you're just creating that resistance which feeds it, not allowing for the change. In that moment of mindfulness, there's that letting go of the judging mind, and that allowing for things to be just the way they are, so you can really see what's going on. As that mindfulness starts to build in momentum, then concentration develops on its own. You don't have to worry about making concentration happen. Just putting in the effort to be mindful, moment after moment, you're developing a moment-to-moment concentration, concentration on the present moment. And that concentration, it's, it's laser-like. It penetrates through the normal layers of our confusion so that we can really see clearly, really see how things are. And out of that seeing clearly comes a deeper kind of wisdom than can normally gotten through the intellect. Also with that wisdom comes a real compassion for the predicament that we share, and for the possibility of opening up to experience without resisting it a real harmony with how things are and a real ability to be there when other people are going through difficulties because we've seen for ourselves and we've been able to survive the difficulties and grow from them instead of shrink. This is a process of waking up, of learning, of using the difficult times as well as the pleasant times just to wake up, just to see more clearly. So I encourage you to play around with your finding of right effort. See if you can start to develop that art of practice so that the wisdom and open heart can be developed. See what adjustments you need to make. See if you're taking a bit easy or striving too much. And then just do what's necessary to keep you most present and let the process unfold on its own. Some time, perhaps, if you have questions, either about the day or practice or about the talk,
1: it's easy to make right effort when one is interested. It seems, for me at least, if I'm interested, it's easy to be there and make the effort. Uh, for certain kinds of things, like I find, it's a lot. I have to be very tight to make the effort. Like. Uh, in terms of eating, you know, picking, uh, all these things that you said. Now, uh, to me, you know, that seems like a a lot of mechanical stuff that I have to do uh, to make the effort to be mindful. And uh, also while walking, you know, lifting, etc., the thing that happens is, is it to be aware of the muscles, or, you know, the body sensations, exactly what, It's like trying to put too much energy in terms of what one should be aware of. So uh, maybe what you talked about, aim, if some aim could be put into what to be mindful, if you could give some suggestions, it might make the process
0: easier. Okay. As far as the very slow eating, if it's driving you bananas, (laughs) (laughs) instead of watching the banana... uh, (laughs) Then just speed up a bit. Go more natural. Go at whatever pace, and this is for the walking too, go at whatever pace helps you be most mindful. And as you feel more comfortable in the rhythm, then you might experiment with slowing down if it feels, if it feels right. Um, As far as accurate aim, the practice is really paying attention to whatever is most predominant. So far we've been dealing with the breath and strong sensations in the body as far as the sitting goes. We'll soon open up the field to include other objects in the formal sitting part. For now, if you can pretty much stay within that that sphere so you develop some kind of groundedness in tangible objects, that'll be useful to apply that concentration to other objects, and let the other things be in the background. With the walking, as you say, you can notice whatever is most predominant in the movement. If it's the sensation of the, the feet touching the ground, fine. If you're noticing the knees or the muscles contract, fine. Don't have to be worried about putting on a label for everything, because if you're struggling with the labeling or if things are happening so fast that it's hard to get the right word, that just gets in the way. Just be very natural and easy and have a, a, a gentle awareness of what you see most clearly. That keen interest is really uh, a good point because it is easier to pay attention when things are interesting. The trick in practice is to make everything interesting. And that, that's what I say when I say bring a baby's awareness to it like you're discovering for the first time. If you can do that, let go of the fact that you've done this so many times before, keep a beginner's mind, and then everything becomes interesting. Even boredom can be interesting. Explore what it's like to be bored. Okay, what is boredom anyway? It might seem like one solid, yucky emotion, but there's restlessness there, there's aversion there, there's um, a grasping, a wanting for entertainment. And as you turn up the investigation, you see it's not just this concept of what we think it is. And so you want to keep this investigation, this exploration going.
1: With, uh, sure. go into yeah. this? like while eating picking etc things that are interesting are the mental things, you know the desire the intention and instead of like looking at the physical aspect of lifting and other things if to, uh, for me that would be more interesting to focus in on the mental things now that might become more interesting and then perhaps more mindful and so I'm wondering whether there's that aim and in terms of walking, also, if there's some place that one could look into, that would automatically make it interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds good. <clears throat> it's, vi- it's very difficult to stay with mind states for too long. That's why we first establish on the breath and on lifting your foot and on picking up the food. And, and you'll see, every now and then, you'll see clearly the mind state of desire or aversion. It's very, very difficult, especially at the first part of of any retreat, no matter how long you've been sitting, to pick them up consistently. So I would encourage you first to get established in tangible physical objects as uninteresting as they might seem and let the interesting desires and aversions just kind of slip in every now and then and be, be present for them. But it's useful to stay grounded in the physical world after a while it gets easier and easier it just takes a little getting used to doesn't work does it yeah that's why I said you don't really have control over the concentration just over the effort to be present each time you see that you've wandered that's the only thing you need to do don't worry about how concentrated you are just keep bringing your your mind back each time especially in an intensive retreat practice because it's very different from trying to get concentrated out in the world then it's practically impossible but here just keep on bringing yourself back each time and the concentration develops on its own even when you do get concentrated if that happens to to occur in your experience the next trap is holding on to it and thinking okay now I got it and then it's gone you know, what can I do to, to get it happen make it happen again this retreat that we just did the the uh, the teacher would have us. I mentioned this to the group, uh, one group last night. The teacher would have us report each day on our clearest sitting, either our clearest sitting or our um, our most unusual sitting. Or if we weren't, if we were just spacing out, then you just say that. That's okay too. But what was really valuable for me was that he didn't want to know all the other stuff, all the times that we were spacing out. And sometimes I'd report and I'd say, well, I had this, this clear sitting and, and this one. But really, to be honest, I was spaced out on about three or four other ones. You know, I was just everywhere. He didn't care. He didn't want to know about that. All he wanted to know was how your practice was naturally unfolding in your forward edge. Not to try to, to keep anything happening a certain way, Just to let the natural process of the practice unfold. And the more you try, the more you strive, the more it gets in the way, as you've seen. So the practice and the process of the unfolding is just putting in the effort to make yourself present. That's all you need to concern yourself with. Let the process take care of the rest. Okay, the goal isn't, in this moment, the effort isn't to be present for the next hour. It's to be present for this moment. And so it's a lot easier task if you set yourself up for just one moment at a time instead of continuous, I need to be present for for all these other moments. Just do it one moment at a time. Just worry about one breath, not 60 minutes worth. That simplifies things. Does that make sense?
1: How do you relate to the pain when it's here? Oh, I, I thought of going through it and looking at it, and just um, then it's hurting more and more, and I, I can see all the different points on it, and it just—it seems to overwhelm after a while when I'm looking at it so much. I kind of try to relax. And like, oh. mm-hmm.
0: First of all, you want what's helpful is to check out the rest of your body, see if you're tight. <laughs> <No. laughs> Say where, where's your pain? Where's your pain? Um, I know that one well. It's, uh, all right. What you want to do first, when you feel like you're getting overwhelmed, first relax the rest of your body, especially your stomach and your chest and your breath. Take a few deep breaths just to kind of channel the energy because what often happens is we contract around it and just knot ourselves up. And that doesn't help. Just soften the rest of the body and then... As best you can, just as you're doing, go into it with just a very soft, allowing attitude. Now the key, and this is not the easy thing to do, is to first let it be okay that it's here. If you can somehow flip that attitude from, oh, here it is again, to it's okay that it's here. That will change your relationship to it. For a while, you know, if you can just even let it be okay for five seconds, beginning—that's a start—and then go back to the breath, and then maybe five more seconds. And when you've reached your your limit of what you can possibly bear, then no judgment at all, and just move very, very gently, and adjust your position. You know, it takes a little while to get used to that; these muscles being still for so long, and all the accumulated tension we have. It takes a lot of patience, a gentleness, a soft attitude. And it takes practice. So don't expect that it's going to happen all in one day. But little by little, each time you have that openness towards it, you're cultivating a new relationship with that pain. It starts to change. Not necessarily the pain, but your relationship towards it. Yeah. Last question. I'm curious about um,
1: some of the ways that you uh, explain things. It's sounding to me like you're making a distinction, a separation between body and mind. And I'm curious to see if you really see it that way, because that's not my experience. What is your experience? My experience is that the clearer I am about my body, the for every feeling. And for every mental state, there's a sensation. And that, that I get lost when I separate those two. That's when I get the most schizophrenic. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, but there is a sensation, and there is a thought or an emotion concurrent with it. And it
1: Sensation,
0: whatever the sensation is, then the mental state gets clear. Mm-hmm. Okay so that that's, that's a very valuable insight. There is a connection between the body and the mind. They're interrelated, they're intertwined. There are two processes that are happening at the same time. There's thoughts and emotions and mind states and there's also sensa- sensations in the body. And a very important part of the practice is to start to see that interrelationship between the body and the mind. Because the clearer you can see that, but see that there's a, it's a relationship, you start to see when you have a thought, oh I want some ice cream, that there's a choice whether or not it gets translated into the bodily action. You can start to see instead of instead of just going for it automatically. Or when you have a pain in your shoulder, there can be the reaction of, oh no, how do I get rid of this? Or, oh, let me explore this. And there's a choice. Instead of acting automatically with the responses that we've cultivated for for a lifetime, we can cultivate different habits so that we're not as... Is caught up in the old ones. So I really encourage you to keep on exploring that interrelationship between them. Okay, um, it's five after eight, and there's walking period of about 40 minutes. Please, really explore your right effort. You know, make it a game, but make it uh, a sincere game. And even when things get low and you don't remember what you're doing here, try to see that that quality of mind, that doubting mind, and get in touch with what it was that brought you here so you can further explore what's going on. We'll come back for a sitting in 8.45. Would the people who stayed last night, who talked to after the sitting, the old students, stay again or come back up here for a little bit? Thank you.